Open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. But mainly I want you to get Romans chapter uh, 5. Romans chapter 5. I have some very, very important things to say about our new building. And I'm going to say it at the close of the service. I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to break the flow of what God is doing right now by talking about buildings. But you need to be here and you need to stay and you need to listen because it's extremely important. Over in 1 Corinthians, there, there's a tremendous verse that only we as Christians can understand. Chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Listen to what it says. Okay, I'm trying to find 1 Corinthians. It is in the Bible, isn't it? Let me see. I got it. I got it. 1 Corinthians 1, 17 and 18. It says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. This is Paul saying, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of no effect. And then he says it. For the preaching of the cross, the message of the cross, is foolishness to those who, not, who are perishing. He said to people that are lost, the message of the cross is foolishness. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. It's the power of God. Then look over at verse um, uh, 23, verse 23, first chapter. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to us who are, who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You know, to be honest with you, the world does not understand the cross. Oh, it's the most familiar symbol in the world. Everywhere you go or anywhere, you're going to see somebody with a cross around their neck or a cross on a steeple. I'm just telling you that most of the world, people know the cross, but, but they don't know the message of the cross. And there are those who know the message of the cross, but to them it's foolishness. Oh, come on now. What could a man who died on a cross 2,000 years ago do for me and all that I'm facing in my life today? He said, that's foolishness. But we replied, no, you don't understand. The cross is the power of God to salvation, to all who believe. This morning, I want to speak to you about the message of the cross. And, you know, the Lord impressed me to do it. And then I realized that on Friday, we're going to put up our steeple. The steeple will be 90 feet high, and a part of the 90 feet, this will be the cross that is on the top of that steeple. Think about it, 90 feet in the air. People will be able to see it from way, way away. But you know, I got to thinking, what a powerful witnessing tool it is the cross. Somebody, somebody say, said, man, I saw your steeple. Yeah. Did you, and you could say, did you see that cross at the top? 
Boy, that was beautiful. Do you mind if I just tell you the message of the cross? And just in a few simple words, you can tell them what that cross stands for and what that cross means. There's no passage in the Bible that makes clearer the death of Christ and why it is so important than Romans chapter 5. There are five things that he says, and you look here because I want to show you these verses. There are five things that he says, and they're pretty tough words, but then there's God's great answer. The first thing it says in Romans chapter 5, and this, is, this, this cuts to the heart. It says we were enemies of God. But while we were enemies of God, God reconciled us to himself through the death of his son. Look at verse 10 and 11 of Romans 5. It says in Romans 5, 10, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, not through his example, not through his teachings, not through his sinless life, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. So we think about the cross. And you know, the Bible says we were enemies of God. And that through the cross, the death of Jesus, God made it possible for us to be reconciled to himself. It's like when Jesus hung on that cross, bearing your sins in his body on the tree, that he took the hand of, a holy, of the holy God and put it in the hand of the enemy and the sinner and reconciled us to himself. You know, the message of, God, of the cross is we were enemies of God. But through the death of Christ, he reconciled us to himself. You say, wait a minute, Brother Fred. Th th that's not true. I I've never been an enemy of God. I I've always believed in God. As best I can know how, I've loved God. But let me just say something. It was because of our sin and our sinful nature that we were the enemies of God. L let me just show you what the Bible says of everyone. Everyone without Christ. In the third chapter of Romans, just look back for just a moment. You see, I know that one day, I, there was never a time I didn't believe in God. And I went to church. And, 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 and I, if you were to ask me, are you an enemy of God? I said, heavens no, I'm not an enemy. But let me tell you something. Our sin, our sinful nature. See, you, you, if, if you're somebody's friend, you do what pleases them. And you do what's best them. But if you're somebody's enemy, you do that which hurts them. Well, listen to this. It shows us that we were enemies of God. Verse uh, 10 of Romans 3. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's no one that who understands. There's none that seek after God. They've all turned aside. They've together become unprofitable. There's none that does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. 
whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Well, back in verse 8, he said, I've, I've shown to you that both Jews and Greeks are sinners. And then he describes it. No, we didn't just get up one day and say, well, I'm going to be an enemy of God. But I'm going to tell you, by the way we lived, the sins we committed, by living for sin and self, we were enemies of God. Now, if you're somebody's friend, you want to do what pleases them, what honors them. But before we met Christ, it was all about self. And it was all about our sin. You know, the Bible talks about what it means uh, to be a friend of God, not his enemy. The Bible says we were reconciled through the death of his son. Let, let me give you a verse. In Ephesians chapter, you don't need to turn. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and following. I want you to listen to what it says. Now, th- th- this shows you that what God had to do for us on the cross, for us to be his in his family. It says, and you has he made alive. That's every child of God in this room. And you has he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins in whom you once walked according to the course of this world. He said, you used to walk according to the way and live according to the way of this world. And, and the prince of the power of the air, you, you weren't following God. You were being influenced by Satan, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we had conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and why by, we're, we're by children, natures of wrath. Listen, any man or woman without Christ, I know they don't realize this, but they're an enemy of God by their sin. And by the way they live. But let me tell you something. Man, when Jesus Christ went to the cross, when he hung there between heaven and earth, the Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. I mean, he bore our sins in his body on that cross. The Father made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might have the righteousness of God in him. Boy, that's, that's a beautiful steeple on your church. and That's a beautiful cross at the top. Yeah, you know? You know why we got a cross up there? It is by the cross, the death of Jesus, that we can be reconciled to God. We can be one with God. We don't have to be separated. You know... I love the verses over in John chapter 14, uh, verse 15. You know what Jesus said? Now, this is what it means to be reconciled to God. John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you're my friend, we'll keep my commandments. He said, the evidence that you're not my enemy and that you're my friend is that you obey me. You obey me. And then... He really says it as clearly as it can be said. That was John 14, 15. Now, this is John 15, 14. He said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what his master 
is thinking. But he said this in John 14, 15. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Well, i tell you one thing, Brother Fred. I'm a friend of Jesus. But you disobey him. You disregard his word. You go your own way. No, wait a minute. No, no. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'm not his enemy. Well, he said, you're my friend if you do what I called you to do. Obedience is, a, is, the, is the manifested action in our life that shows that we've been reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus and are no longer his enemy. All right, here's the second thing in Romans 5. It says in Romans 5 that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at Romans 5, 7, and 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In verse 7 it says, For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Perhaps for a good man one would even dare to die. Said, you know, it might be sometime that a man would die for a righteous man. It might be exceptional, but that a person would die for a good man. But listen to what he said. But God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, we were enemies of God. We were still sinners. But when Jesus carried that cross and, uh, and they took him up Golgotha's hill and, and Jesus died there. And, 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 and let me tell you something. We were still sinners when Christ died for us. And, and, and he took our sins on himself while, while we were still sinners. You know, Jesus did not see you at your best and die for you. Jesus saw you at your worst and most wicked moment in your life. And he died in your place. While we were still, while we were enemies, he reconciled us to God through the death on the cross. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the message of the cross is absolutely awesome. Boy, that's a beautiful steeple you got. And that's an awesome cross. He said, yeah, you know, it was through the death of Christ on the cross that I became no longer God's enemy, but God's friend. And do you realize that when Jesus died on the cross, he saw me at my worst, sinner that I was, and he still went to the cross and died in my place. Oh, you see, the message of the cross is the heart of the gospel. It is what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. All right, here's the third thing that I want you to see. Oh, by the way, when you get to this thing that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, you start talking about sin, how it's rebellion against God. It's choosing to go your own way. You know, people don't, they have no idea the seriousness of sin. They have no idea. I, there was a title of a book written by a secular psychologist that said, Whatever Happened to Sin? In America, they have no concept. They have no idea. But I guarantee you, God does. God is holy. Do you understand? We've been singing about it all morning. He's holy. And he hates sin. 
He loves the sinner, but he hates sin. You know why it hates sin? Because it was sin that put him on the cross, Jesus. It was our sin that nailed him there. And so you've got to understand that sin is serious. But when you get talking about we were enemies of God and, and, and we were still sinners, there are two, two places people will go. There are people who say, well, I'm too good. I'm too good to be lost. I'm too good. I'm a good husband. I hope you are. I'm, I'm, I'm a good, uh, I work hard at work. I'm a good employee. Uh, I, I pay my taxes and, and I, I try to be a good citizen. I help my neighbor. And most people will say, I'm good enough. Not most people, but a lot of people will say, I'm good enough. I'm too good to need for Jesus to die on the cross for me. Let me tell you something. I never will forget I heard this statement. He said, I never I would not trust my best, I would not trust the best five minutes of my life to get me into heaven. Not the worst, but the best five minutes of my life. To be good enough to get me into the presence of holy God. But then there are others who say, Brother Fred, I I, I believe that, but I'm telling you, I'm too bad. I, I I'm too bad. God could never forgive me for some of the things that I have done. I mean, I'm just too bad. I'm telling you, I've crossed the line. I've gone too far. Did you, did you hear what the Bible says? While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. And so we've got to understand that his death took place while we were still in our sin. Here's the third thing, the third message of the cross. It says, uh, we were under, boy, this is strong right here. The message of the cross is that we were under the wrath of God. But that Jesus on the cross delivered us from the wrath of God. I want you to look at Romans 5, 9. Now, I want you to see this. You don't hear much about the wrath of God. All you hear about is the love of God. And I, and I, I love to preach about the love of God. But what does the love of God mean if there's not the wrath of God? And it says in Romans 5, 9, much more, and it's all about the cross now. Now listen to what it says. Much more, having been justified by his blood, the cross, we we shall be saved from wrath through him. He said, you know, Boy, there's a verse. We all love John 3.16. But at the end of John 3.16, John chapter 3, verse 36. Just listen to this. Don't turn. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Man, I love that. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God. Abides on him. Woo. You believe in Jesus. You trust him. He comes into your life and changes you. Your new creation in Christ. Truly converted. You're no longer under the wrath of God. But it says here that those who did not believe. Are already under the wrath of God. You know. The wrath of God is serious business. 
In fact, I, I, I never will forget, there's a passage over in uh, the book of Revelation. I want you to keep your finger in Romans. Turn to Revelation chapter 20, and I want you to look at verse 10. You know, we don't hear very many sermons on the great white throne judgment, which is the final expression of the wrath of God. The wrath of God is revealed all over the world even now. When people disregard Him, hate Him, despise Him, blaspheme Him, mock Him. I mean, God at times displays His wrath. He does. It's not going to be wait till we stand before the great white throne. I'm telling you, God judges sin now. He judges it now if we refuse to repent. But you know, Rome, uh, Revelation chapter 20. I never will forget the first time I heard this. I was uh, a freshman in college. It was in the spring of the year. And I was invited, invited to go to a Forest Drive Baptist Church uh, in Columbia where I was going to school. And there was a, an evangelist named Barry Moore. He was from Canada that was preaching. And I never will forget he, got, uh, he, he was preaching on the great white throne judgment. And you know, the last part of that uh, Revelation 20, verse 10 and following. And the last part says, and they that were not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. Well, I was sitting there on about the third row. And, he, and boy, he had been preaching, man. And, and, and I'm telling you, it, it was strong. And we understood that God was holy and his wrath was real. And he said, and listen, whoever is not found written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast. And he threw a nickel and it hit the pew beside me and I thought I was already in hell. <laughs> Absolutely scared me to death. I never forgot that. I want, you, I want to read to you what Jesus Christ saves us from. The wrath of God. It's only through the cross. Only through the cross. Jesus took our wrath. He took our hell. He took our judgment. He took our sins. So that we would never have to experience the wrath of God. Revelation 20 verse uh, 10. He judges the devil. He cast the devil in the, into hell for eternity. And all I got to say is amen. Not soon enough for me. The sooner the better. The devil who deceived them were cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever. He said, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. Here there's a great white throne and man, people aren't mocking him. People aren't blaspheming me. Boy, I'm telling you, it's so awesome that the Bible said that heaven and earth try to hide. The Bible says they fled away. And there was found no place for them. There's no hiding at the great white throne. And it says, and I saw the dead, people who died without Christ. I saw the dead, small and great, <clears throat> standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. Now, you say, Brother Fred, are you telling me that 
God is recording everything I do. That's right. It's written in the book of life. And the Bible says that at the great white throne, you will be judged according to your works. Now, I hadn't planned on saying this, but it's got to be true. If God's going to judge each person, every, every person who died without Christ, if he's going to judge them at the great white throne <clears throat> according to their works, then that means there's degrees of punishment in hell. So what, what would it matter if you died without Christ? What would it matter what your works were? But you know something? I believe that some places of hell are hotter than others, tormented more than others. And each person is judged according to their works. And it goes on and says, then the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death in, verse 13, and death in Hades delivered up the death who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his work. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I mean, I'm telling you something. The wrath of God is real. But you understand, don't you, that God loved you so much. He did not want you to ever experience his wrath. Hell was not created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels who had rebelled against God in heaven. But then we, Adam's got it started and we joined in and sinners by nature and by choice. So then we became subject to the wrath of God. But God never wanted anybody, not one of his people created in his image. He didn't want you to go to hell. It's not God's will for you to go to hell. You know what he did? He blockaded the road to hell with a cross. The only way you can get in hell is to go over the cross or through the cross. You say, well, man, I, I can't believe a loving God would ever send anybody to hell. They send themselves. They make a choice. Now listen to me. To show you how much God loved you, so that you would not have to be subject of his wrath, he poured out his wrath upon his son. The wrath of God that you and I should have experienced was poured out on Jesus. And so we don't have to experience his wrath. What love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? But, oh, I'm telling you, you know why I'm so glad we got a cross on the top of our steeple? Because it says we no longer have to be enemies of God. We can be reconciled through the death of Jesus. We no longer have to remain in our sin. We can be reconciled through the death. Our sins can be washed away through the death of his son. And you know, back cross, you know what it says? We don't have to abide under the wrath of God. That if we'll repent of our sins and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he saves us from the wrath to come. There's a fourth thing about the cross, the message of the cross. When we were enemies, God reconciled us through the sacrificial substitutionary death of his son. While we were still sinners, 
Christ went to the cross and died in our place. When we were under the wrath of God, Jesus went to the cross, died in our place, and took our wrath. But here's the fourth thing. It says that when we were without strength, we were without strength. Go back and look uh, at verse 6, I believe it is, in Romans chapter 5. The Bible says when we were without strength, it says, let me see. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. You say, Brother Fred, what does that mean? We were without strength. It means there was nothing you could do to save yourself. Not one thing. You were without strength. The Bible says you were dead in trespasses and sin. And this idea, well, you know, I, I'm going to be good enough and I'll work my way to heaven. And, 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 and somehow, if, if my good works outweigh my bad works, I, I'll, I'll get there. Listen, no, the Bible says while we were without strength, we could not save ourselves. We could not deliver ourselves while we were without strength. Christ died for the ungodly. Boy, that's a term, isn't it? Ungodly. You know, people say, well, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to keep living like I'm living. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to reform. I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to start doing better. But you know what? They don't have the power to do it. This old sinful nature in us, until it is put to death on the cross, I'm telling you, Nobody's ever reformed, and nobody's ever turned over a new leaf, and nobody's ever uh, done, uh, uh, changed their life so that, the, that it just can't happen. You see, the Bible makes that so clear. The Bible says that we were without God in Ephesians 2.11. The Bible says we were without God and without hope. But Jesus Christ died in our place. You know what Titus 3 verse 5 through 7 says, now listen carefully. Talks about God sent his son at the right time to die on, our, on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven. And it says this, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Now let that go in your heart. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. According to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration, the blood of Christ, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. You know, we were without strength. But Jesus came and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Hey, by the way, you know what grace is? God does for you what you don't deserve and couldn't do for yourself. Amazing grace. God does for you what you don't deserve. And you couldn't do it yourself. That's why Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are we saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. It is a gift from God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Hey, you know, that's a nice steeple y'all have on the top of your church. Yeah. But, but did, did you notice a beautiful cross at the top? Can I tell you the message of that cross? 
that you were an enemy of God. I was an enemy of God. But Jesus died in my place, took my sins, and now I'm reconciled with God. You know that cross? The message of that is while I was still a sinner, God saw me at my worst. Jesus went to the cross and died in my place. And, and, and you know, let me tell you why I love that cross. What happened on it? I was under the wrath of God. But Jesus Christ went to the cross and took the wrath of God on himself so that I would never have to be subject to the wrath of God. What an awesome, awesome message. And I'll tell you another thing about it. I did not have the strength. There was no way I could save myself. No way I could change my life. No way I could deliver myself. But I'm going to tell you, on that cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, while we were without strength, he died for the ungodly. But then there's one other thing about the cross I want you to see. And, and this, see... We've got a steeple and a cross because we, we, our, our message, the message of Christianity, listen, the message of Christianity is not philosophy, it's not feel good, it's not feel better, it's not Dr. Phil, it's none of these things where you just say, well, man, do the best you can, we're all going to the same place, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. Let me tell you what the message of the, of the Bible is, is that you were a sinner and Jesus Christ died in your place. And that's the only way you'll ever be forgiven. And the only way you'll ever be saved. When you admit your wickedness and turn to Jesus. And receive him as your Lord and Savior. But you know. The last thing I'd mention about the cross is. We needed life. We needed life because we were spiritually dead. We needed life. And so Jesus died for us. And rose from the dead. And I want you to listen at this in Romans 5, 10. This, this talks about he, he becomes our life. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You know, it's the life of Jesus in us. If any man be in Christ, now come on. Christ in you and you in Christ. If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things, enemies, still sinners, under the wrath of God. Old things are passed away. And all things are become new. Oh, we needed life. And Jesus died on that cross and rose from the dead so we could have life. You remember what he said in John 10, 10? He said, the thief, that's another name for the devil. He steals life. He steals everything that's precious. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. I came so you could have life. And you could have it abundantly. For the message of the Bible is, it's Christ in us. That is the hope of glory. See, he's our life. I, I love Colossians chapter 3 where it says, When Christ, who is our life, appears. didn't say when Christ who will become our life when we go to heaven. No. He says when Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall be like him. 
for we shall see him as he is. I love Galatians 2.20. You see, the message of the cross is he reconciled us to God through his death, but we're saved by his life. The presence of Jesus Christ in us. You know, Galatians 2.20, it's not just a nice little verse to, to memorize. It's the key to the walk in with God. I have been crucified with Christ. You know, positionally, positionally, when Jesus hung on that cross, positionally, when he hung on that cross, I died with him. My old man was crucified with him. And so when Jesus died on that cross, positionally, I died with him. He said, so let me tell you, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. What part of that don't we understand? It's not Jesus up there and us down here trying to do the best we can. No, he saves us and comes to live in us by the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we're saying, I'm crucified with Christ. But I'm telling you, I've never been more alive because Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 1.27 says, It is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. And I love this. You know, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. How does Jesus come to live in us? He's seated at the right hand of the Father in a place of authority and power. But you know, He comes to live in us. In His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Tarry at Jerusalem until you receive the promise of of the Father. And so Christ comes to live in us in His Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. And boy, I love what the Bible says. What? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The temple that Jesus has chosen to live in. And you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Well, I'm thankful for our steeple, 90 feet high. But I'm thankful that at the top of that steeple, it's, by the way, it's an empty cross, amen? It's an empty cross. Because I'm telling you, Jesus died on the cross, and they put him in the tomb, but on the third day, he, what, say it, rose again. Hallelujah. He's alive. He's alive. Hallelujah. He's alive. Alive with the power to forgive, the power to save. Paul said, you know, he'd seen many, many things. But listen to what he said. God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to glory in the miracles I saw. I'm not going to glory in all that stuff. It was wonderful what God did. The demons that were cast out. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to glory in. I'm going to glory in the cross by which the world was crucified unto me and me unto the world. I love that song. I will glory in the cross. You know, I remember growing up, went to church every Sunday, got saved when I was about nine and got away from the Lord, but got back with God when I was uh, 19. But I remember how we used to sing about the cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and saying, 
were the dearest and best. And then we'd come uh, to, the, to the chorus. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till at last my trophies lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross till someday I'll receive my crown. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. I'm telling you, the message the world needs to hear is not how to be better and not how to, you know, give them all this stuff that they just give you, you know. Feel good, be happy, you can do it, uh, you can overcome. No, they need to know that they'll never be anything and never have any power and never be able to be what God created them to be unless they go by the way of the cross. And the way of the cross leads home. That's the only way.